Hey gang, it's Randy with the Renegades on Dirt podcast. Tonight we have got on the phone with us Mr. David Anderson, the head tech official for the Upper Midwest Sprint Car Series. How are we doing tonight, David? Oh, doing real well. I'm glad to be here. Well, that's good because we're glad to have you. I know that uh, today was Dino Day. How'd that go? It went real well. We got a lot of really good information today. Well, now, we had a couple of different motors on the dyno. We had the 5.3 and the CT525. Now, I know that the 525 isn't legal in either class, you know, the wings or the non-wings. So (laughs) why did we spend the time and money to put it on the dyno? Our wing program is is fairly new. Um, we're kind of doing a reset on uh, on our wing rules and, and trying to build something model after our, our very successful traditional class. So as uh, this program continues to grow, we're going to have to make some changes. We're going to have to do a, an adjustment um, as we move forward. Um, taking a look at this 525 is uh, is one of the adjustments we're looking at. Okay. Um, it's a lot, it's a pretty much a substantially bigger motor, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's like 370 inch motor by the time it's all said and done. That's correct. Okay. I, I just wanted to make sure that I had everything in my head right. <laughs> Cause you know, everything else is the 5.3 liter, which is basically like a 327 or the, the 350 cubic inch area for the Wasota style B mod motors, you know, like the the three fifty ones for the Fords and that type of stuff. So I was, I was just kind of curious as to why we were looking at some, such a substantially larger engine. Uh, The cubic inch size isn't the only uh, thing we look at. Um, We can tune that motor to come into parity with the rest of our motors uh, we think we can get it all on the same uh, playing field, so everything is equal, uh, even though there is a difference in, in the cu- cubic inch size. Uh, we also look at cost. Uh, with our traditional model, we, we've got a set of rules that, that keep this affordable. Right. Uh, it allows anybody who's really interested to uh, come race with us and, and not go broke. Uh, this uh, 525, uh, it's expensive uh, to begin with, but it's got such longevity that over the lifespan of that engine, it actually becomes affordable. So we're, we're taking a look at it to see if it will fit within our series. Okay. Now you're saying over the lifespan of the motor that it becomes affordable. And what's so special about the 525 that that happens? I mean... <laughs> It, it's not. It's like, a really well designed motor. It's uh, it's got some roller rockers in it. It's uh, uh, it's got a different degree on on the cylinder heads. So it breathes a little better. Um, it's got a real strong bottom end in it. Is it a roller cam motor, or is it just a, like a hydraulic roller cam with roller yes, tip rockers and and. Uh, uh, so basically the bottom end design of it just 
prevents you from having to rebuild it constantly or what? That's correct. We think we could probably run one of these for about five years. Just on oil changes? Yes. <laughs> in in a perfect world, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I'm not laughing at you. I'm kind of I, I chuckling at the thought that a race motor will last five years. I, it just, to me, that seems out of reach, but I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. <laughs> I mean, well, it's something we're looking at. We believe it may be able to be done. Um, so that's why we're looking at it. Okay. I, I understand that. You know, the, this this whole thing is based around um, sustainability and longevity and being able to be family friendly. So you don't really want to break the bank in any way and, and detract from family being a part of everything. So I, <laughs> I understand that, but some guys are going to have a hard time justifying that bigger cost right away, right away. That's correct. You know, so... Um, Okay, so we we didn't run a B mod motor this year on the dyno, but did we have numbers from last year to compare to? Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, we we've had dyno numbers off the B motors all over the last probably five years. Okay, I'm just I'm just asking because I'm not sure how how often we've had motors at the dyno. I mean, I'm fairly. Uh, I'm a fairly newcomer to the series too. You know, I've only been uh, on board with this deal with Kaylee for the last three years. So I'm not real sure what the UMSS has had going on. So I'm just double checking to make sure <laughs> sure that I know what's going on. <laughs> I believe the UMSS dynos motors a, a few years back and uh, the teams we have uh, that, that compete with us, they're real good about sharing their numbers when they send their motors off to the dynos. Yeah, but are we sure that those are accurate numbers? <laughs> when we compare the numbers that we have captured on our own, um, if they come out in the same ballpark, yeah, we, we, we believe they're pretty accurate. Okay. Has there ever been a case where somebody's been dominant enough that you said, okay, bring your motor, we're going to the dyno, and we're going to see what's going on? I don't believe we've had to do that. We've had a few dominant motors, uh, and we've made some adjustments, which seems to, to bring everything back in line. Okay. What kind of numbers? Now, between that between that and the, the numbers we already had, I, I think we've got some pretty good parity going on. What kind of numbers did the B-Mod motor make? You know, I don't have any of that in front of me. Um, <laughs> just off the top of my head. Um, I'm guessing somewhere around uh, 400 uh, for horsepower and somewhere around 400 for torque. Okay. And that's just off the top of my head. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I know when I talked to Ron a little earlier today, he said something about the B-Mod motor made like 430 horse and 420 or 415 foot-pounds of torque or something like that. Yep, that sounds about right. And I was like... That was pretty damn good for a B mod motor, nine and a half to one compression <laughs> deal, or is that or is that nine to one flat top motor? No, that's nine and a half to one. Okay, it's still a flat top piston. Yes, it is. Yeah, okay. and then the iron head—they're not allowed to run those new, like EQ heads or whatever they're called. 
No, we've looked at the EQ heads, but supposedly you're supposed to get a, a little extra horsepower out of those. So we don't want to bring that into our series and then force everybody to go out and buy EQ heads. Okay, so you outlaw those so that they're it, it, so that they don't have to go spend money that they don't need to. Exactly. Perfect. I think at some point we might have to go to something like that, some kind of replacement head. It's getting harder and harder to find the old school heads that are in halfway decent shape. Right. It right. costs a lot of money to 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 make those things work. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of time at the machine shop. <laughs> yes, it does. I I know that when uh when the four ninety two castings were no longer going to be produced or made available because the the dies or whatever broke, and they just decided not to repair them. That some of the series had to go to like the world products heads and the the dart um stock the dart sr heads the stock replacement deals and right that if they dyno those right out of the box they made the same numbers basically as the 492 with a bunch of machine work but then they let them cut and trim and do all this fancy crap to the sr heads and the guys were actually changing cams and, and heads at the same time and picking up like 60 or 70 horse. And it made it a deal where everybody had to go buy heads if they wanted to compete with those guys. And so you're trying. And that's exactly what we're trying to avoid. <laughs> that's, that's kind of why I figured that's why I brought the, the point up. Okay. Now with the 5.3 liter motor, it's, it's a fuel injected motor to start with. And then you take the fuel injection stuff off of it, you put an Edelbrock intake on it, and a two-barrel carburetor, and change the cam and lifters, because it runs a little different lifter profile, or cam profile, with running it on the carburetor, right? On the 5.3, we're actually running the stock lifters. We're changing out the camshaft, but we're still running those stock lifters. Because that's a, that's a roller lifter motor anyways, right? Yes, it is. Okay. It's a really good lifter. It uh, helps with longevity on that engine. Okay. Yeah, and the bottom end of that thing is rock solid anyways. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Those LS motors were built for horsepower. <laughs> so you put it on the dyno. Uh, what, 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 did we, what was the starting point on the dyno? Uh, I think the first pull we did, um, it looks like we hit, uh, oh, about 379 foot-pounds of torque and about 399 uh, horsepower. Okay, was that, and that was just right out of the box without right, doing anything with it. And uh, two-barrel. Yep. Uh, two-barrel on alcohol, <clears throat> methanol, whatever. <laughs> Some guys yell at me for not calling it methanol. <laughs> it's alcohol. Darn it. Put it in. Run. <coughs> I'm going to have to restate that. I was looking at the wrong uh, dyno sheet here. Uh, the Ooh. first poll we did was 416 um, horsepower at 6,200 RPMs and 380 foot-pounds of torque at uh, somewhere around 5,200 to 5,300 RPMs. That's pretty respectable. 
Yeah, and that was the first poll. It wasn't the best one we got by far. Uh, when we made that first poll, um, we determined that uh, the headers were probably too large. So on some subsequent polls, we went to a smaller header. What, what, and we were able to pick up a little more power. What header did you start with? An inch and five-eighth primary? No, that was a three-quarter inch uh, that then went to a, a five-eighth or seven-eighths. Okay. Yeah, it was a three-quarter inch header. So we dropped that down to a five-eighths and actually got a little more power out of it. Okay. <laughs> I was just I was just going backwards because you had said you went to a seven-eighths, and I was like, why'd you go bigger? <laughs> so I was like, oh, what happened there? <laughs> oh, the headers were a step header. It was three-quarter to a seven-eighths step header. Okay. And then we took those off and put on a, a five-eighths shatter got a little more power out of it okay just a straight five eighths tube okay yeah and inch yep. and five eighths yep okay and then uh did you play with timing at all or change the carb settings at all between first run and second with, run we did play with timing but we actually don't have those numbers on a 5.3 we require a 32 degrees okay uh we we in the testing we did, we found we lost power going underneath that, and we did bump it up above that. Um, and we might have made a, a few little gains, but we don't allow that anyways. So. Okay. Well, it, it's good to know the numbers just in case, you know. <clears throat> I mean, 32 is a pretty good uh, power point that will actually produce some longevity because it's not quite as hard on things, I would imagine. Oh, no, it's 5.3s really don't like a lot of timing. So I think that 32 degrees is a real good spot to be at. Okay. We get some pretty good performance out of it, and it doesn't beat the motor up. Okay. Now, <clears throat> you had 416 and 390 at, with the with the stepped headers on, then you went to the 5 eighths, inch and 5 eighths header and yep. made a pull. What did that one pull up? Uh, that one we got uh, 385.5 uh, foot-pounds of torque at 5,300 and 420 horsepower at 6,300. Yeah, okay, so the headers did make a difference. Yes, they did. <laughs> now, uh, we also found that uh, the carbs were running too rich. That'll take away power in a hurry, too. So uh, we made some more adjustments. We adjusted the, a float level. Uh, we dialed that... Uh, that back a little bit. Okay. And on a 5.3, the best pull we made, and it was still running a, a little richer than what we like, but it was better. Uh, we ended up with 427 foot-pounds of torque at 5,300 and 473.4 uh, horsepower at 6,600. You sure you're looking at the right sheet? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a four. <laughs> oh, I was like, whoa, yeah, you didn't change the carb that much to make a 100-horsepower jump. Because <laughs> 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 when, you, when you said the torque number, I was like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, back up. How did that thing gain 100 horse or 100 foot right. of torque? <laughs> sorry. So I'll restate this again. Um, that pull we made with the smaller headers um, where we got the – 385.5 uh, 
foot-pounds of torque at 5,300 and the 420 horsepower at 6,300. That's the best pull we, we made with the, the two-barrel carburetor. What was the horsepower number again, 423? Uh, the, the first pull we made, uh, that was 385 uh, foot-pounds of torque at 5,300 and 416.6 okay. uh, horsepower at 6,300. Okay, and then the last one was... Right. By going to the smaller headers, we went to a 420 horsepower and 385.5 foot-pounds of torque. Okay. Pretty respectable numbers for a pretty small motor. They are. (laughs) And what's nice about that motor, um, the the raw numbers aren't the whole story. It's got a a fairly flat and wide uh, power band. So it's got more usable power than like the old... uh, the old school Chevrolet would have. Right. Now, where, where do the, where does the, uh, torque peak meet the horsepower curve? I don't have that in front of me. You don't, you don't have the curve? No, I don't. Okay. okay. I was, I was just, just curious cause I didn't know for sure if that was going to come in, if the horsepower was doing a decent job at that point or not. So I just asking for, <laughs> for my own personal knowledge, I guess. <laughs> but we uh, just got done pulling these things uh, just a couple hours ago, so yeah. we haven't collated all this information yet. Right. Uh, we'll be putting all this together and publishing it. Okay. I, I, I know that there's been a lot of people very interested in what's going on and as to why the testing was happening, uh, you know, based on the Facebook post. So (laughs) that's kind of why I was like, well, hey, let's talk about this (laughs) and get it out there. And then, you know, they kind of get the information from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Not that I'm calling you a horse. Now we'll be making all this information available to everybody. (laughs) Uh, Come on, you didn't even take the bait there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to pay some bills here quick, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Renegades on Dirt podcast, and we're talking the CT525 and Dino Days with Dave Anderson. It's been a park edition tradition for 75 years. Stop in and check out their signature Donato Burger. It's absolutely mouthwatering. They got bone-in and boneless hot wings. Beer on tap and 12 big screen TVs to watch the games on. Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota Wild, it doesn't matter. You're going to catch every shot, touchdown, and goal. Don't forget, check out their daily rotating specials. That's Palmer's Tavern in downtown Hibbing, Minnesota, a park edition tradition for 75 years. Palmer's Tavern. Check them out on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Palmer's Tavern. Hey, are you feeling a little run down? Need a little pick-me-up? Got to get that little boost of energy to get you to the end of the day? Grab yourself a Liquid Nitro Herbal Energy Shooter. Comes in a variety of flavors, a little three-ounce size. Going to give you enough power to get to the finish line. If you don't think that's quite enough for you, get yourself a 16-ounce can. <clears throat> a variety of flavors available in that. My favorite, Tropical Storm. Liquid Nitro Energy Drink, giving you the power to get to the finish line, and that's noble. 
Old World Meats in Hermantown, Minnesota, brings you a fresh new line of snack sticks. Beef snack sticks that are juicy, moist, tender, everything you want to be from a snack stick. And they come in about 30 different flavors. They keep rotating through the flavors. It's hard to keep track of them. My favorite, barbecue honey. Honey barbecue, however you want to say it. Absolutely to die for snack sticks. Old World Meats down in Hermantown, Minnesota. The Residual family making beef products for 75 years. Thanks a lot to Old World Meats. And on top of that, we got to add a special thank you to Rob Cahill and the guys at TCB Speed North. Coming on and helping out with the show this year. Check them out at TCB Speed North on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com. Backslash TCB Speed North, and uh, Rob will help you out with anything you need for your sprint car, and get you back on the track and get things going. That's guys at TCB Speed North, and check them out on Facebook. And we're back with David Anderson, and we've been talking about the 5.3 liter Chevy motor that we had on the dyno earlier today, and now we're going to change gears a little bit and talk about the big controversy motor. The CT five twenty five, Dave. What was the first poll on the five twenty five today? Uh, let's see. The first poll. Um, we got three hundred and seventy eight point seven foot pounds of torque at fifty one hundred, and three ninety eight point seven horsepower at sixty six hundred RPMs. That sounds tragically low. It was, uh, and I can explain that. Uh, the one thing we noted, too, was uh, from 5,500 on, the, the horsepower was just perfectly flat. And that, that shouldn't have been that way. Right. So after that, we, we made oh, four more pulls, five more pulls, trying different things to see if we can get these numbers up. Uh, we knew they were <laughs> a lot lower than what we expected. Um, <laughs> we, we tried some different spacers. We we tried some uh, different ignition setups. Um, what we finally found, we either had a, a problem with the coils, the plugs, or the plug wires. Uh, we spent some time replacing all that on that motor. Made another pull, and that one jumped up to. 482.4 foot-pounds of torque at 5,100 and 531.4 horsepower at 6,700 RPMs. That's some pretty substantial numbers. Yes, it is real substantial. It's actually higher than what we wanted to, now, to, to work with this series. Now, was that unrestricted, unrestricted wide open? Yes, it was. It was wide open. Uh, we made that pull just to make sure we had the ignition fixed. Okay. And just to see what the motor would do. Right, right. Unencumbered. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to have a baseline for it. I mean, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Otherwise, you don't know what the heck's going on when you start making changes. <clears throat> so now that you got, finally got a good running motor and, and a solid baseline at pretty much gargantuan torque over over the 5.3 and the B-Mod motor, you know, there's extra... 50 or so foot-pounds of torque 
you know. So <clears throat> what kind of things did you do to try to slow that down as you went back into the polls? Oh, I'll walk you through all the steps we took here and the results from each one. The first thing we did is we put a restrictor plate under the carburetor. Okay. Uh, this is a 1.1-inch um, restrictor plate we get from Pace Performance. Okay. That that dropped our numbers to uh, 452.3 foot-pounds foot of torque at 5,100 and 482.3 horsepower at 6,500. Okay, so there's still 30 foot-pounds more torque and five fifty more horsepower. Yep. Uh, with so just the a restrictor step, plate. With just a restrictor plate. Okay. So then the next step we took is we put in uh, the ignition box that we get from Don Blackshear at Pace Performance. Uh, he sets these boxes up just for the UMSS. Uh, it's, and we ended up with 451.2 foot-pounds of torque at 5,100 and 485.7 horsepower at 6,200. So the horsepower actually went up a bit and the torque dropped just a touch. So that didn't make a a whole lot of difference. And now that was the restrictor plate and the timing box, right? That's correct. Okay. So then the next step we did is we left the, the Blackshear ignition box in, but we put in a, a 1.00 restrictor. Now this really dropped the numbers. We ended up with uh, 426.4 foot-pounds of torque at 5,100 RPMs, and 444.7 horsepower at 5,900 RPMs. Okay, so it's getting harder to kill the the horsepower on this one. Right. Because now you've got a one-step smaller restrictor plate, and still with the black shear box uh, from Pace, and you only knocked 20 horse off? But, yep. you, but you took almost 30 foot-pounds of torque off. Correct. And that's because of the, the cubic inches of this motor. What What is that motor listed as for, uh, I don't remember, it's like 372 cubic inch or something like that? Yep, it's 372. <laughs> I pulled that number right out of the air. <laughs> it's got significantly more cubic inches. I was I was trying to do the six point two conversion in my head and it wasn't working, so I just grabbed a number. <laughs> Yay me. <laughs> All right, next phase. So then we we went back to see if we could uh, uh bring up the torque a little more. So we tried a, a one point zero five zero restrictor. Uh, we want to get this more in line with our, our four barrel five point three. In our four barrel 5.3, we got 427 foot pounds of torque at 5,300 and 473.4 horsepower at 6,600. Okay. So we want to get it relatively close to that. So with that 1.00 restrictor in there, we were actually too low. We were okay on torque, but but the horsepower was, was way down. Ah, you don't need horsepower. That's just how far you're going to move the wall. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Torque is how hard you hit it. Horsepower is how far you move it. <laughs> that's right. 
But, you know, it's still, even with that 1-0 restrictor plate and the Blackshear box, <clears throat> it's not real far off. There was, no, it isn't. It's real close. It's like 25 horsepower difference at that point between the 525 and the 5.3 with a four barrel. Yep. So what we did is we put a 1.050 restrictor in there, and we ended up at 436.4 foot-pounds of torque at 5,200, and 466.7 horsepower at 6,500. So real close now to what we get on a four-barrel 5.3. But again, these these raw numbers don't tell the whole story. If you look at the curve, anywhere from zero to about 5,000 RPMs, the 525's got a lot more horsepower and a lot more torque. Okay. But then at, at the 5,500 RPM point, that's where it flattens out. And the, the difference between the 5.3 and the 5.25, they're almost identical. Okay. So but, coming out of the corners, uh, the 525 is actually going to have more power, both horsepower and torque. Okay. What, what kind of what kind of torque numbers does that thing make about 3,000 RPM? Because that wasn't that, significant at 3,000. We were looking at that range between like 4,500 up to 5,500. Okay. That's about what they're going to be coming out of the corner. Okay. They don't drop below much, uh, much below five thousand. So I, I think we had about a. I'm uh, pulling this off the top of my head because I don't have the chart in front of me, but I think the torque was uh, was up about fifteen foot pounds of torque, and maybe twenty more horsepower on the on the five twenty five, until you got to that fifty five hundred RPM or six thousand RPM point, and okay. then. It, they they were almost identical, so that's something okay. we're going to have to look at. Yeah, because out of the corner is where a lot of guys said that the they were they were feeling that those motors had the advantage. Was, and that's that's what we see on the dyno. Okay, so at, at least the dyno numbers are telling you basically the same story that the drivers were. Yes, you know, and I, I know there were some guys that were pretty vocal about the difference and we, we weren't sure if it was just a uh, perceived difference or an actual difference but according to those numbers there was a bit of an actual difference there i think in this case might be a little bit of both going on um there there's the perception um but then you, you got to wonder on these dry slick tracks that we run on minnesota is 15 foot-pounds of torque really going to make that much difference? I, I think if you were to dyno every single one of our 5.3s, you're going to find that kind of difference between the, the motors anyways. Yeah, that's about 3%. Yep. Yeah, I, I could see where that would be in the window. So I, I don't know how significant that is. So it's something we're going to have to look at. Well, it it'd be interesting to see. It'd, I think it'd be interesting to see what those motors are actually pulling, RPM wise, as they come out of the corner. You know, we're estimating the four forty five hundred to fifty five hundred being the the sweet spot. 
you know, I don't know if some of those guys, especially on these dry slick tracks where they got to really pull them down in the corners, I, I don't, I'm not sure that they aren't getting down 4,000 horse or 4,000 RPM. And I talked to a couple of drivers to, tonight at, at the dyno session, and they told me they don't like to let it drop below 5,000. Okay. I guess I've, I've never really paid attention to the tack coming out of the corners. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I'm a drag guy, drag car guy. When you pull the shift lever, you quick glance at the tack, see how much drop you got. Oh, sure. Yep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Other than that, eyes forward, keep it out between the walls, keep it inside the center line, <laughs> and just go. <laughs> I figure if I got to turn the wheel, that's too much to handle. Otherwise, I'm not looking at gauges. <laughs> Of course, my car's. Hey, I think on these these sprint cars with the lower horsepower motors compared to some of the big sprint cars, um, they have to do some momentum racing. They, they've got to carry that speed through the corner. Yeah. So I think they're keeping their RPMs up. Yeah, probably. I'm just, I don't know. Me being me, being me I guess I'm just getting a little skeptical of the numbers sometimes, and. Uh, I think that we may be getting some more drop than the guys are expecting, but <clears throat> that's just my thought. I don't know. Oh, and that could very well be. Every driver's got their own style. Right. Some drivers can carry it all the way through. Some some don't. And I, I'm just wondering how much that plays in with with some of these perceived differences. And, you know, uh, like if a guy likes to drop – and work the motor coming out of the corner or feels he has to, to get the car to stick in that spot. And then somebody else that's carrying the momentum drives away from them. You know, are they playing that in their head or are they just going, Whoa, holy crap. He's got a lot of power and watching him go away. So that's just in my head that uh, I wonder about those things. Well, the difference in the horsepower and torque points Below that at fifty five hundred or five thousand RPMs, um, you can match your horsepower and torque between the two motors uh, just by changing uh, it by five hundred RPMs. So a gear change could make up for that. Right. Right. And I don't. I don't know how many of the guys carry a bunch of spare gears with them. <laughs> so, and I know that for us, a lot of the guys that are newer to the series um probably don't think about a gear change right you know uh they're, they're still learning to drive the car and things like that so gear change probably doesn't ring real true with them so i'm just wondering you know i just things rolling around in my head so i thought i'd voice them <laughs> yep that's <laughs> but now what what does this mean for the 525 going forward for the for the wing um, division? At this point, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, we're taking the raw numbers. Uh, we're going to analyze them, um, and we're going to do whatever's best for the series. Okay, that's exactly what we expect to have happen. And I mean, it just I'm I'm kind of curious because the raw numbers. At the top end, show that there's not much difference. But at the lower right. end, they're showing a, a fairly substantial advantage. 
for the 525 cars. At any one given RPM below below that 5,500 or 5,000. Yeah. Yep, that's correct. You know, so it just so we're we're going to have to talk about that. I I think the the 525 having more more torque at the lower numbers make it a little harder for them guys to keep the car under themselves on a dry slick track. You know, it make it a little easier for that thing to spin the tires. Well, especially for newer drivers. Yeah. I, I think some of the the drivers that have been around for a while and, and know how to run those cars a little better, they'd have an easier time with it. And like, yeah. Like, uh, you put somebody like Harry Hansen in with with one of those cars, or even Brad Peterson. I, I would imagine right. you, you give those guys a 525, and it's pretty much going to be the Brad and Harry show out front. You know, because they're both really comfortable, and and Harry's got a dynamite right foot. That guy's been racing for damn near as long as I've been alive. <laughs> I think you could put Harry in just about anything, and he's going to run all the front. I, I'm pretty sure that I saw him win in a wheelbarrow one time. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't surprise me a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Brad Peterson's a hell of a wheelman too. And there, there's, yes, some, there's some other guys that are, are pretty serious wheels. Uh, Mike Mueller comes to mind. You know, he always seems to find his way up to the front of the front of the plat- pack. Yep. He, um, the, Cam Schaefer is another one. Yep. Um, JP3 always does really good. It, but <clears throat> he's either hitter or miss completely from what I've seen. Well, he's fairly new with our series, so he's, he's still learning. Yep. And and then then uh, I deal with the guys that are still really new and still doing a lot of learning. You know, uh, you watch Kaylee Emerson and Paul Schultz run with each other, but they've both been wheels in other classes, so right. they're, they're a bit ahead of the curve. But then you get guys like Josh Brayford and Troy Gessner, and uh, I was going to say Jory Hughes, but Jory's kind of up in the same division as Kaylee and Paul on that deal. And Jory's a hell of a good wheel man. <laughs> yes, he is. Oh man! But you get Josh Brayford and Troy Gessner and some of these other guys that are first and second year in the division. And uh, Gessner got his first win at the end of the season last year, and did it going away. <laughs> um, Josh Brayford hasn't. Ha- gotten one yet but he's a top five car every time he runs and I, I mean i've seen him drop back as far as seventh and drive his way back to third and if he hadn't gone backwards to start <laughs> he'd have probably had a couple of wins by now <laughs> but, I mean, uh, you know and i know troy hasn't changed the gear in his car yet he's had the car for two years and he's never taken the gears out he found a gear that works for him <laughs> at every track. <laughs> That's the yep. thing. And I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> so I don't really know for sure, but, but, uh, yeah, I guess it's going to be an interesting process as we go through and look at where the 525 has, what was it? 30, 30 foot bounds of torque better than the five. Yes. And that's and a five three's got some pretty respectable numbers with the four barrel on. 
Yes, it does. And it, it's for that small of a motor. That's a pretty good, pretty good piece. You know, and the longevity on that motor is real good. They're cheap to build. Um, they're they're. Oh, I I think you can put one together for somewhere in the seven thousand dollar range. That'll last you for three years. Yeah. That is real cheap racing. <laughs> Unless you're Kaylee. <laughs> 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 yeah. But, you know, and that's the other thing, though, is it's, you know, in anywhere from 3000 to $6,500, $7,000 for a 5.3, depending on what you do to it. You know, you could buy a $500 junker out of a junkyard and put a cam in intake and a different carb on it, put it back in the car with an oil change and a new filter and go run it with 190,000 miles on it and be pretty and and We had a team who did that two years ago. They uh, blew up an engine. They went to the junkyard. They got a motor that had 200,000 miles on it. Um, They put the stuff off their their blown-up motor, just bolted on, on this junkyard motor. They went racing. They won races with it. <laughs> and that that's exactly what we're looking for, is that kind of story and that kind of success. For... That cost $800 to put that motor together. Yeah. And so if, if they could do it, well, it's not going to happen that way for everyone because newer guys are going to have to buy the intake. They're going to have to buy the carb. They're going to have to buy the cam. And right. That's, that's going to make them right around – that's going to put them in there right around the $3,000, $3,500 range with a $500 junkyard motor. You know, so for that aspect of it, uh, the 5.3 is great, and the longevity of it is great. Um, but then this 5.25, you buy the long block for like seven grand, 7500 I think. But then you're you've still got another three thousand or thirty five hundred bucks you got to put into it to get it racing, right? You know, so you're looking at a twelve thousand dollar bill for a motor that, in theory, is going to last five years, which makes it around twenty five hundred dollars a year for the motor for the car. <clears throat> Is that more of a more of a thought for the people that are in it already, or is that where we want the new guys starting at? I, mean, cause I think it, it really depends on on the team. Um, well, let's face it; some teams start off uh, a little better financed than, than some of the other teams, right? Um, and I, I guess and it's also a huge time saver. They they just Buy a motor, bolt it in, they're ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> but then, but then it kind of takes away the aspect of doing it yourself too. <laughs> it does. I, I'd prefer to do it myself, but other teams they they've got other priorities. Right. But as as it stands right now, the five twenty five isn't legal in either division. We're still doing, that's correct. We're still doing a lot of testing and figuring and seeing where things are going to go. But now we've got some numbers to base that off of. And we'll just kind of hang loose and see where it goes because the wing program isn't locked in like the traditionals are for 10 years. That's right. 
you know. And uh, the, this wing program is so new to us. Uh, we're going to have to make some changes as we go along. Uh, we're going to learn. Uh, we'll probably make some mistakes. I, but we'll eventually get to a point where it's working out like the, like the traditional series is. I wholeheartedly believe we're going to make mistakes moving forward. If you don't make mistakes, you don't know where the right answer is. That's right. <laughs> you know, um, what do we got coming up? Do we got anything coming up where we're going to test like the 604 versus everything else or the 602? Or... Yeah, I think we're going to do a 604 in February. And we've got a couple more 5.3s that we're going to do in February. Okay. Are we going to do a, a, a race saver 305 test as well then? We hope to. Uh, we'll just have to see how that works out. And see whether or not we've got one available to use. Right. <laughs> we've had a, we've had a couple of them race with us uh, over the last couple of years. And we're hoping one of those teams will step up and let us sit in on a, on a dyno session with them. Just okay. to see if that's a viable option. Okay. Who who are the guys that with the three hundred five? Or do you not want to call them out on the air? I'm not going to call them out. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious. I know hey, we, we got to get them locked in first, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll we'll call them out with a bunch of thank yous. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> All right, I'm going to run into some commercials, and we will let you get back to your night, Dave. David. Okay, well, thank you very much. Thank you for sitting down with us and taking the time to go through the numbers and giving us a little better insight as to how the decision-making process is going and the, and on all the work that goes into it. Um, let everybody know if, uh, if they have any questions, get a hold of me via email. Uh, my email address is in the rule book. I think it's also up on the website. Um, if you don't see it up there, get a hold of Ron. Ron will give you my email address and shoot me an email. Okay. He'll just shoot you an email with whatever questions you got and you'll answer them as best you can. Yep. <laughs> well, I think that was a pretty good, pretty good answers from the voice of authority. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, thank you very much. We're going to get going. Oh, thank you. Okay. Have a great night, and we will talk to you again here soon. Okay, real good. Thank you. All right, thanks, David. Bye-bye. This has been the Renegades on Dirt podcast. We're going to run it through our sponsors and thank them. we got to thank TCB Speed North, Rob Cahoe and the gang, coming on board and helping us get the show out every week. And... Check them out at facebook.com backslash TCB Speed North. And when you're looking for things to get your sprint car going, even if you need some work done to your chassis, Rob and the boys can take it in there at the shop and help you get back on the racing surface. And we will catch you next week. This is Randy. Later. Palmer's Tavern in downtown Hibbing, Minnesota has been a park edition tradition for 75 years. Stop in and check out their signature Donato Burger. Absolutely mouthwatering. They got bone-in and boneless hot wings, beer on tap, and 12 big screen TVs to watch the games on. Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota Wild, it doesn't matter. You're going to catch every shot, touchdown, and goal. Don't forget, check out their daily rotating specials. That's Palmer's Tavern in downtown Hibbing, Minnesota, a park edition tradition for 75 years.
Palmer's Tavern. Check them out on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Palmer's Tavern. Old World Meats in Hermantown, Minnesota brings you a fresh new line of snack sticks. Beef snack sticks that are juicy, moist, tender, everything you want to be from a snack stick. And they come in about 30 different flavors. They keep rotating through the flavors. It's hard to keep track of them. My favorite, barbecue honey. Honey barbecue, however you want to say it. Absolutely to die for snack sticks. Old World Meats down in Hermantown, Minnesota. The Residual family making beef products for 75 years. Thanks a lot to Old World Meats. Hey, are you feeling a little run down? Need a little pick-me-up? Got to get that little boost of energy to get you to the end of the day? Grab yourself a liquid nitro herbal energy shooter. Comes in a variety of flavors, a little three-ounce size. Going to give you enough power to get to the finish line. If you don't think that's quite enough for you, get yourself a 16-ounce can. A variety of flavors available in that. My favorite, Tropical Storm. Liquid Nitro Energy Drink, giving you the power to get to the finish line, and that's noble.